Good evening, everyone. Uh, like David said, my name is Anna. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, the first thing I just want to ask of everyone is, if you're, if you're not sitting next to someone, can you guys make sure you're sitting next to someone? Like, if you see empty seats, even in the front, can you come move, move up to the front? Um, so even, like, crew in the back, if you need to be in the back, that's fine. But uh, come up and sit in the front if you're able. Yeah, right here, front row. Hey. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's just get right into it. I want us to read from Jeremiah chapter 31. And we're going to read just short verses from this book. This is one of the most important sections in the Old Testament. And you'll find out why it's so important. But uh, Jeremiah 31, we're going to read verses 31 to 34. Jeremiah 31. Verses 31 to 34. I'll read it for you guys. Just follow along with me. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people, uh, to gather here in this really cute, cozy cafe uh, to to be in relationship with each other, but also to be in relationship with you. So, Lord, we just ask for an encounter of your presence today. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so the title of my sermon is called The Issue of Obedience. The Issue of Obedience. You know, uh, I, I consider myself a Korean-American. Uh, I grew, I, w- I was born in Korea, but I went to America when I was five, so I started, you know, preschool my whole life from America. Um, so, you know, growing up in American culture, though I'm considered Korean, um, I, I, I guess, vibed with both cultures really strongly, but especially my American side. Um, and I remember when I came to Korea after I graduated college, I was meeting my relatives and... I very quickly began to learn that there is a set of rules in Korean culture, and you have to be quick to pick it up. Now, now these set of rules is always unspoken. Like you, no one talks about it. But if you're good enough, you have good nunchi, which is like good awareness. You'll be able to know what the rules are, right? So, for in- instance. I remember uh, when I first, like the first month that I came, I had to go visit all my relatives and I had to go visit my grandma's sister. So she's, you know, older than me, uh, being respectful. She invited me to uh, have lunch at her house. And before I went, my mom called me in America. She's like, make sure you bring a gift. I'm like, oh, of course, I'm not this like rude little girl, right? She's like, no, 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 you have to make sure you bring the proper gift. I was like, okay. She's like, make sure you bring her undergarments. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not going to bring my, I don't even, 
I didn't even met her. I only met her like twice. I'm not gonna bring her undergarments. She's like, you have to bring undergarments or fruit. And I was like, okay, definitely gonna bring her fruit. <laughs> so I come bring her fruit, and then as soon as I bring her fruit, she's like, oh, you didn't have to bring her fruit. But we all know in Korean culture, I have to bring her fruit. You know, and then. And then after we ate this delicious lunch, uh, we we're eating, and then my aunt she like puts down her spoon and she looks at me. <clears throat> she kind of like nudges her. Oh, I kind of popped it. Nudges her neck to the sink, and I was like, "Oh, I realized I have to go wash the dishes." <laughs> you know, like there's these set of rules that I walked into because I I didn't know because I didn't live in the Korean culture. You know. I remember it's just as we're as we're living in this environment, as we're living in culture. There's always a set of rules that we live by, and we either live to obey it or we live to disobey it. We either rebel with it. I remember, um, you know, even though I consider myself Korean American, uh, when when I got married with my husband, he's he's uh, actually one of the preachers for the retreat, Pastor Marcus, handsome black man, right? So. We got married. I didn't realize how Korean I was until I married him, and he didn't realize how black he was until he married me. You know, like. <laughs> and I remember there was this one time we were like, you know, sitting together on the couch, and I thought I'd be cute, you know, and like we're sitting together on the couch, so I like kind of rub, like move my foot over and kind of start like rubbing his leg a little bit, you know, it's like cute, okay? In Korean culture, some of you guys are like that's not cute, like. <laughs> But in Korean culture, it's cute. Okay, you do that as like egyo, right? So, anyways, I was like, kind of like, you know, and he puts down the remote. He looks at me with this look of disgust, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I, I, I got so embarrassed. I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, it's cute?" He's like, "Don't put your foot on me!" Like, and he said, "In black culture, it's completely like you don't. It's so disrespectful. You never put your foot on someone else." But You know, it's like a set of rules I didn't know about, and he didn't know about.、Uh, so it's just so interesting how we, as we continue to live our lives, there's always these set of rules in our environment, and whether we know it or not, we either obey it or we rebel against it. So in the context of the passage that we just read, you know, the Israelites they had a set of rules over their lives. In fact, they had a set of rules from all the way back to their ancestors.、Um, you see, the, the the Israelites were a chosen group of people, very special to God, set apart by God. And as God、uh, became into relationship with them, He gave them a, a a promise saying that if you obey my rules, I will bless you. If you don't obey my commandments, my rules, then I will not obey. I will not bless you. In fact, I will curse you. So there is this this kind of relationship. It is called a covenant.、Um, and through this covenant, through this relationship, the Israelites began to、uh, live out their lives in obedience. First off, to God. Why? Because the way that the relationship with God started was、uh, all the way back to you know this guy named Abraham. But then there was this people group, you know, Israelites that were set in slavery in Egypt. But God took them out of that country, brought them out of slavery. In fact, He brought them out in signs and wonders through miracles. He parted the Red Sea in front of them. So the Israelites they see this God and they're like,、oh, "He's awesome. Of course, I'm going to obey Him. Why wouldn't I?" So through that, they begin obeying Him. 
Oh, you want me to honor honor my mom and dad? Of course I'll do that. You you just broke me through from slavery into freedom. Of course I do that. You I know you're an awesome God. But then throughout that generation, as their generation began to die off and other generations began to come up, they began to only know God, not in the relationship that they knew him before as this awesome God that cared about them, that brought them out of slavery, but rather they began to see this God as a God of only rules, telling them what to do, what not to do. And these rules were very specific, very specific. I mean, it, it laid out how to even pick up like fruit, from, from your field. You can't pick out all of it. You have to leave a little bit of it so that the poor can have it. If, if your animal, if your ox falls into a ditch, there's a specific way that you have to get them out. There's a specific way to interact with your neighbors. You know, if, if, uh, there was even rules if you had like rash and, you know, something on your skin, you had to be apart from the community for a specific number of times. It was so particular and so specific that eventually, as, as the generations passed, they began to see this God as a God of not an awesome God, but rather a, a controlling God. And, and here, in, in the context of Jeremiah, we have a, a generation that eventually began to know God as a, law, uh, as a God of law. What to do and what not to do. You know, I, I was kind of like that. I remember when I grew, I was, you know, I'm the first child of my family. And I was born into a Christian family. And before I knew God, before I knew who he was, all I knew was the rules. This is, this is what you do when you go to church. When the offering comes, you have to put money in. You can't take money out. That's bad. You know, like, like I began to know these rules. This is, this is the part where you, you raise your hands because the song is moving a certain way. Like, like I began to pick up all of these context clues and, and the instructions and the regulations of what it means to be Christian. But at that time, I didn't, I didn't know the God that gave me these rules. And I'm not saying that rules are bad. In fact, we need the law. We need rules in order for us to live in, like, within boundary. If there's no laws in this nation, our, our nation here would go chaotic, right? There's rules and there's limitations so that people can live in safety and in protection. So I'm not saying that the law is bad, but when the law overpowers the one that gave it, then that's when it's twisted. And I remember I, I only knew the laws and the rules. And some of you guys, maybe some of you guys are grew up in the same way I did, born into a Christian family, knowing only the rules of what to do and what not to do. Maybe some of your friends here dragged you out today so that you're in, here, in this room. What, are the, what do I have to do to fit in? What are the rules and regulations here? And that's not, that's not bad. In fact, rules are important. However, the issue of obedience is not simply obeying a set of rules. You see, if, if obedience to God, if, if Christianity is simply just a, a set of rules saying what to do, what not to do, it is going to be hard. It's going to be suffocating. It's not going to be pleasurable. There's no reason for us to continue in this place any longer. You see, our passage here in Jeremiah, Jeremiah recognizes 
that it was impossible for the Israelites to live by these set of rules. That's why in the beginning of this passage, it says new covenant, which is just a simple word for a new promise. Jeremiah is introducing a new promise to his people because he realized that the old promise was full of a set of rules that people, they could not obey any longer. You see, even a, cha- a couple chapters back in Jeremiah 13, it says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. Do you understand that? When I read that, I was like, whatever. But I read it again, I was like, wow, the Bible is so sarcastic. It says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Can the leopard ever lose his spots? No! That is, the Bible is sarcastic. Guys, read it. It's so funny sometimes. Like, it's, being, it's saying that, no, it can't ever change your spots. That means you guys can't ever try to be good because you're evil. That's what the Bible's saying. Like, snap, offensive, right? Because of the fact that they, they are saying, it's impossible, God, to obey your laws any longer, God comes with a new promise, a new covenant. You see, The Israelites were in a spiritual crisis. They were in a dilemma. We can't obey these laws, but you said that if we disobey, then you're going to curse us. But you see, they've been disobeying for generation to generation to generation. And God has been merciful and and gracious and, and slow to anger. But after many, 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 many generations of disobedience, he finally comes with his judgment. And instead of turning away from the people of Israel, which he could have easily done, he doesn't. Instead, he turns back to his chosen people, the Israelites, and say, hey, I'm not going to let go of you. Instead, I'm going to give you a new promise. This is a radical move of God. As, as he gives this new promise, God is essentially saying, it says here, that no longer will each teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Everyone say, all know me. You see, the issue of obedience is that sometimes we come into relationship with God thinking, okay, I have to read the Bible. I have to pray. I have to talk to a new person. I have to be nice. I have to be nice to my brother and my sister, my mom and dad. I have to do my homework. I have to do good. And after a while... That gets exhausting. I don't know about you, but that, that's exhausting for me. I have to go to familia. I have to go to large group. I have to go to Sunday service. I have to pray. All right, this is the time of the service where we sing. <sighs> that's so exhausting. But the new promise that God gives us is not the fact of just obeying the laws and the commandments and the instructions, but he says that you will all know me. Everyone say no. You know, the English word no is just, it seems so simple and, you know, just no. Oh, I know you. I, I know who you are. But the Hebrew word is actually deeper than that. The Hebrew word uh, is yada. Everyone say yada. It's, it's like very easy to remember. Yada, you know <laughs> Yada. All right. So, anyways, uh, it's the Hebrew word yada, and a commentary says, "Man, this is the this is the best definition I've heard from yada." Okay, it says yada is the most intimate, personal knowledge which arises between two persons who are committed wholly to one another 
in a relationship that touches mind, emotion, and will. That's that's deep. Yada, that's that's yada. Yada is also the Hebrew word、uh, used in Genesis when it says Adam knew his wife. Okay, so that's code for they sealed up their marriage. All right, some of you guys don't know what. All right, they got it on. All right, so that's that's code for for yada.、So、don't go up to someone and be like, "You wanna yada me?" Like <laughs> that ain't no pickup line. Okay, <laughs> it, it's a very intimate, very. Very devoted line, okay. But that same word yada, it is that that intimacy, that commitment, that depth is the same word that God uses for us saying, "Hey, I don't want to just, I don't want you to just know my laws. I don't want you to just know my commandments. I don't want you to just know what to do, what you're supposed to do, what not to do in my presence. But I want you to know me." I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to know me so deeply, so that your emotion, your mind, your will will be touched. And this is the new promise, the new covenant. I remember my my story is you know I I grew up in church my whole life, but I only knew of the laws, the rules, the instructions. But the first time I actually began to know God, when He yadad me, I guess, <laughs> mixing a Hebrew and English, there, I don't know what that is. But when I first had an encounter with God, oh man! And I know many of you guys had it too. There's nothing like it. There's there's no other satisfaction. There's no other. Desire. There's no other joy than when you come into a knowing relationship with God. You know, this this weekend is the retreat that's coming up, and if you guys aren't going, I encourage you guys to、uh, stream in. There's gonna be you know videos that come out, but for those that are going, I want you guys to come into this retreat experience, not just. Expecting God, I want to encounter you, and th- and that's it. Because encounter only gets so far. I've seen so many people; they they fall under the power of God. They they scream, they laugh, they cry, and they do all of these things. But after a couple of days, they walk away from that time of encounter, and I don't know if something changed. You see, retreat is not just meant to be an experience. It's not meant to be just a momentary encounter, but it's supposed to be this lifelong relationship of knowing God, of being in intimate relationship with God, so that it touches our mind, our emotion, our will. And only when we know who He is, what His character is, the love that He has for us, it is only then that obedience comes naturally. So many of us we enter into relationship with God, thinking that it's it's just a strict, rigid, narrow list of instructions. And maybe you have been feeling like that. I know I felt like that for so long. I felt so constrained in okay, I have to read the Bible this many times, I have to pray this many times, or I can't drink at this place because it seems there were so many rules in my head. But 
all of that naturally lines up with God once we become into relationship with God, knowing who He is. Obedience is so easy when we come into knowledge of who He is. Do you know who had the highest form of knowing God? It was Jesus. His son had the highest form of of knowing God. And it was through this knowledge of God, through relationship, intimacy, through being touched in his mind, emotion, and will, that he was able to go and obey his father. You see, his father had commanded him to go to the cross and die for our sins. But that task, that list of what to do, would would have seemed so burdensome if he did not know him if he did not know God. But because he knew God, it says in Scripture that he went to the cross freely, joyfully, gladly, willingly, because of the fact that he knew God. You see, my message for you tonight is is so simple because I think a lot of us, we walk away from Christian gatherings or Christian meeting places with this determination of, I'm going to do better. I'm going to live right. I'm, go- I'm going to make sure that I, I do right before, before God and before his people. Trust me, out of everyone, I, I'm like that the most. I'm, I'm very goal-oriented. So I'm, I'm, I know exactly what I should do, what I should not do. I know that. But it is not going to last long. Your relationship with God is all of a sudden going to turn into religion. Just like the way the Israelites lived generation after generation. They knew God, so the law was was beneficial to them. But after generation to generation, eventually the law became so burdensome that they only saw it as a set of instructions. They didn't know the awesome God that brought them out of Egypt that took them through the wilderness, that gave them manna from heaven, that fed them, that their clothes did not tear. This was the God that led them out of Egypt. But instead of knowing this awesome God, they only knew his rules. But today, I, I just want to invite you guys to into coming into a knowledge of who God is again. So let's just, let's just close our eyes.